Hey guys, welcome to Inside Renovation. I'm Brooke Taylor, and today we're going to have a very vulnerable conversation with Pastor Cody. We're going to talk about fear, anxiety, worry, depression. We're going to tackle it all in today's episode. You're not going to want to miss it. All right, I know this is going to be a little uncomfortable to talk about today. We're going to go there with anxiety and depression. Okay. PK, you ready for this? Ready. I'm I know ready. that you have a... Uh, a very personal journey yeah. uh, going through some of this, but let's start with anxiety. Okay. And I feel like in the world right now, yeah. anxiety, depression, fear, worry, you name it, it is all being felt from like all For different sure. sides. Mm -hmm. When it comes to your own mental health and your well being, when it comes to anxiety, yeah. how do you navigate those situations as a pastor? Yeah, yeah. I think as a pastor, what you just said was is huge for today's conversation. I want to start there because you know, I'm going to share my thoughts on this stuff, but I'm not a doctor. You know, I can't prescribe medicine, believe in medicine. I'm not a therapist, believe in therapy. I am a pastor and I'm a human being with flaws. So <laughs> yeah, super complicated topic. And I would say this to you if you're listening and you're like, well, I don't really deal with that. I don't have anxiety. I don't have a depression. Number one, you, you know somebody who does. And number two, there's probably things in your future that are going to cause you to worry. And that's where anxiety is birthed, right? Yeah. And worry and fear. And it's in and so what I would say for you, I think this message is, is for everyone. And for me, you know, um, my position as in what I do, right, being a pastor, there's way more stressful things in the world. So I'm not trying to, you know, put myself on some kind of pedestal, but um, public speaking is the number one fear in yeah. everyone. There are people like literally kill me before, before I, I before do I do this, right? Yep. And so for me, getting up and having to public speak and have something fresh every week and people are looking to that and looking to me in a way yeah. to hear from God, to grow spiritually, comes a lot of pressure. Yeah. And so, uh, man, there are a lot of weeks where I deal with this, like, I'm not saying it's clinical anxiety by any means, but the worry and fear and anxious thoughts of like, I don't know if I've got anything else to say, you know, like, especially uh, being a being a preacher who like, I, I like to, I'll, I'll teach through books of the Bible, but I also want the things that I'm teaching from stage to be relevant in people's lives. Not the Bible's not relevant. That's not what I meant to say. What I meant to say, and what I mean by that is hitting topic, hitting topics that I know are resonating with me and my family and with the people I know and love in our church. It's like once I preach on it one time, I'm like, yo, I don't know if I can have much more to say about this. You know what I mean? Because I gave it the best I had or right. whatever it is. Like how many times do I got to wrap it in the same message like, God loves you. He's not going to stop loving you. It's like, there's only so many ways I can say it. So I like, I'm going to, I have a fear of like running out of content or are they going to like the message? Are they going to, is it going to connect? Is it not going to connect? In my head, that joke was real funny. And then I say it on stage and it's like, well, okay, that was not it today. You know what I'm saying? It's like, like a loser. But then you have to continue too. Oh yeah. And then I gotta do it like three or four more times. You yeah. Know? And it's like, okay. And so it gets a little bit, it, it does, it gets a little bit anxious. And so that's been a, a challenge for me. And I think that it's been a newer one um, over the past couple of years since planting this church mm -hmm. that I didn't really experience before. So I've had to learn a lot about my own self and what are the things that uh, keep me taking healthy steps forward, right. you know, and not not allowing those things to become all consuming. So yeah. we'll love to talk more about that as we as we talk today. Well, there, I feel like there's lots of common like misconceptions and yeah. misunderstandings about kind of like the relationship between mental health and spirituality. For example, like, you know, a sibling will say, well, if God was real yeah. and this wouldn't For happen sure. yep. or things like that. How do you navigate kind of those questions when somebody comes to you and it's just like, why is this happening to me? It's a good question. I think why it's happening is hard, mm -hmm. you know, and the truth is we live in a fallen and broken world. 
And thank God we're not robots. Yeah. Thank God we're not AI. <laughs> you thank, know, like, thank you, Jesus. Thank the Lord. Um, but in that, like, we all have challenges. We all have problems. We all have issues. And I think God allows us to be human and allows, and he uses those things to, to, to teach us and draw us closer to himself. And not that he causes them or just wants them to happen, but understands that, like, there's consequences to our decisions and the decisions of others. And we live in a fallen, broken world where things aren't perfect. And uh, and there's going to be things that we we don't understand that's going to require trust. And and if it wasn't like that, to be honest, you wouldn't really need God because you wouldn't there would you wouldn't need to trust God if you perfectly could trust all the time. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't need to follow a God who understands all things when you think you know all things or when yeah. you do right. So I think it it draws us. For me, it's like man, because of these things, it I don't know how people navigate it really yeah. without without God. I, I'm really like. I don't even know. In some of the advice today, if you're not a if you're not a Christian, it's going to be applicable. But there's going to be some of this that, for me, it really is spiritual. Like I I don't believe every single battle is from the devil, right? But yeah. I do understand that. Um, I think the enemy does use um, anxiety, fear, worry, depression as probably one of his main weapons yeah. to distract people uh, from their purpose and and what God's made them to do. I feel like it's hard too with the social media, the, you know, everybody has an opinion yeah. when it comes to stuff, yeah. but those life challenges when it comes to like kind of intersecting your faith yeah. with your mental health, yeah. what does that look like for you as a pastor? If somebody comes to you and says, well, I'm having a really hard time with this. Yeah. What do I do? Well, I think when it comes to anxiety in particular, one of the things I've, I've said a lot and I'll say it again, anxiety is not a sin. Mm-hmm. Anxiety is a signal. And I think, one, there's so much shame that people carry around, especially if you are a Christian, and even if you're not, um, but if you are and and they come to you, there's so much shame and guilt for feeling that way because for whatever reason people have, have uh, whether it be pastors, churches, whatever, it's like, you don't have enough faith. What's wrong with your faith? Why don't you trust God more, whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, listen, there's different causes to this. And that's one of the first things I'll let people know is like, hey, this is not necessarily a sin. It could be, but it's more of a signal. And what I mean by that is like it, it you know, I haven't got my truck worked on. I have a truck. I need a new truck. Anybody wants to donate a truck, we hit your boy up. <laughs> you know, but my husband's I got truck. the check engine light off, okay? Mm-hmm. And then it came back on again, and it's so annoying, right? And I hate seeing it. But what is the check engine light? It's a signal that something is wrong under the hood. Yeah. The light itself isn't the problem. Though annoying, you wish it wasn't there. It's just a signal there's something else going on. And it would be wise of me to take it back to... Nissan to take a look at what's going on under the hood so they can diagnose the problem and address the problem. And I can continue to move forward driving my truck, right? Right. Anxiety is the same way. It's just a signal that there's something else going on beneath the hood of your life inside that needs to be addressed. And it would be wise of you to go to the one who made you yeah, to figure out, man, how do we address that? Where's that coming from? And so I think that that's when I say, like, I don't know how people really deal with this because that's really kind of my view on anxiety, whether it be uh, situational or, or or clinical, whatever it may be, there is a spiritual component to it. And so I think the other thing I talk to people about, too, is there's different there's different realities when it comes to mental health because, you know, it can be biological. And what I would say to people who, man, there may be a chemical imbalance in your brain. It's like, man, you need to you need to go get help, get yeah. therapy. There's nothing wrong with going to therapy. There's nothing wrong with uh, getting on medication, prescribed medication from a real doctor. 
not like a street doctor, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, but like, yeah. but like, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in that. God's not mad at you for that. That, in, in fact, I, I, I'm, I'm a full believer in that. So I would encourage people, like, man, if, if, if it could be something biological, like if you're like, I've tried everything. Yeah. Hey, it may be something completely out of your control, mm-hmm. and you've been beating yourself up for something that's out, that's outside of your own willpower to even change. It may just be a chemical imbalance, and medication can fix it. And all of a sudden, like that's happened, right? Yeah. There's also, uh, like, I think things are caused relationally. Like, so there's a relational problem, tension in your family that can cause anxiety or worry or depression, whatever it may be. Uh, there's circumstantial, like a life event that happened, trauma yeah. from the past. It, it could be the loss of somebody you love. Um, and then there's also the spiritual component that, man, you're under, you're under a spiritual attack. Yeah. You know, and that the enemy's trying to come after your soul, wants to kill, still and destroy your family. And so I think really trying to figure out, you know, where could it come from is a huge part. And the truth is, is we don't always know. Yeah. We don't always know which one it is. And I think that's where the wisdom of, you know, uh, other people who may be better in this field far more than I am, I can have those initial conversations. Um, but I can really lean in on maybe some practical ways of when I say it's a signal for me, it's like anxiety is a signal that it's time to pray. Yeah. It's probably going to take more than prayer. Yeah. Okay. But I think a lot of times our mentality is that I've heard people say this, like, well, I've done everything else. I guess all I can do is pray. It's like, well, that should be what you're doing first. That's it. What if prayer stopped becoming your last resort and became your first response? Or what if instead of like praying, it's like, it's the last thing I could do. What if prayer became the thing that you do first? And it may actually help a lot because like you go to the scriptures, Philippians four, it's like, um, cast all your, well, that's not cast all your anxieties. That's, uh, don't be anxious about anything, but yeah. prayer and petition, right? Make your yep. request known to God with thanksgiving in your heart, right? So, um, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, um, is in your is yours in Christ Jesus. So I think we start with prayer. I think it's the best place to start because it's going, I'm going to go to God about this. Yeah. And then I may also need to go get help or right. bring in some people in my life to speak in or talk to a pastor or counselor mm-hmm. or go to a doctor. Like, I think all of that's important. Well, and I think it's okay too, for people to understand that there are different, there's multiple avenues that you can go through this, right? Like I was actually talking to my mom about it this weekend. Yeah, She was like, you know, therapy might work for you or your sister or, you know, other siblings, but I like to just talk to God about it. And sometimes that can be enough. Yep. And knowing that just because you're feeling a certain type of way, doesn't mean like, oh, I need, I, I, you, maybe you do need to go see a doctor, but sometimes just go into the one the one source that you need yeah, the one that made you. can be enough, yeah. right? Yeah. Are there any other practical kind of just ways or places that can be a source of comfort or, you know, hope or healing that you could maybe things that you do or you yeah. use yeah. that somebody that might be dealing with a little bit of anxiety that yeah. they can go to? I would say that there's like this become this um, norm now to like self-diagnose yourself yeah. with it. And I think understanding that just because you have moments of anxiety or you're anxious over something or worried over something, I would just be really slow to declare yourself as I have anxiety. Cause that, that could kind of become a, it could kind of become an identity and even become even a little bit of a, a crutch on why you maybe don't do the things you know are good for you. So we just gotta be be real careful in that. When it comes to just being practical, I want to speak on prayer for just a second again. And the reason why is because 
and I know that's the cliche thing, right? Pray about it. But it's but it's good. Yeah, and the it's reason, true. and I think it does far more than people really realize. Mm-hmm. So I read a book a while ago as I was kind of prepping for a series we did. I think it was about a year and a half ago by Dr. Caroline Leaf. Um, the book's called Switch on Your Brain. She's a neuroscientist, specializes in cognitive health and all kinds of stuff, way, way, way smarter than I did. But she's a believer. And one of the things they did was they actually, um, they did a brain scan on someone um, who dealt with anxiety and just like the neural pathways and how your brain functions. And then what she talks about is that by praying, I believe it's if you if praying seven minutes a day, no, 12 minutes of daily prayer, 12 minutes of daily prayer over an eight week period that it can have such an impact on your brain that it will show up on a brain scan wow. as your brain looking differently. And the reason why um, is because your brain is constantly forming new neuropathways, right? Like, yeah. And when you think a thought, it's easier to think that thought again, and that's how habits are formed, good or bad. Right. And that's that idea of like being stuck in a rut, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's literally because there are being pathways formed in your brain. The more you think a thought, the easier it's to think that thought again. So what she's getting to and alluding to and why I think even prayer is so important um, more than just like, oh, a pastor saying to pray, it literally has the power to change your brain. Yeah. And because you are going, I, I don't understand this or God, I'm anxious. I'm going to go to you. And when you start going to him consistently over time, it starts to become your first response. That's that's the practical way I would say is like consistency over time is what's going to bring results in anything in life. Same thing with prayer, because a lot of times you're like, OK, I, yeah, I prayed about it and you did it one time. Yeah. Great. Well, I don't really feel like I heard anything. And I think sometimes like we want instant response. Yeah. Instant gratification. Totally. The problem to go away. And what I tell people all the time is like. Man, prayer may not change the circumstance, but prayer will change you. 100%. And it may not like, yeah, it may not fix it one time. He can. Yeah. He can fix it immediately. But a lot of times it's consistency. And what happens is it ends up changing you and ends up changing your perspective. And all of a sudden you find yourself like, huh, I'm not as anxious anymore. It's like, yeah. And it's simply because you fixed your mind on Jesus and there is a peace that comes. And so... I don't think peace comes from the absence of your anxiety or the absence of a problem, but peace does come from being in the presence of God. So I would say, man, like, I think prayer is so, so key. I think practical, man, I think a lot of our anxiety, uh, you know, it comes from this thing right here. Yeah, facts. Yep. Period. Sure does. Like, and, and some of us need to delete that thing. Yeah. You need to delete some apps. You need to d- to unfollow some people. You need to block some people. You need or to learn how to use, like, swipe left. Right. Or just, or just put it down. Or just put it down. Yeah. You know? And stop letting it be the very first thing you look at when you wake up. I mean, I got a bad habit of that. Same. I love it. So I love Instagram Reels. Yep. <laughs> and I, it just like it, it makes me laugh. But real quick, I could be laughing, funny, funny, funny. You know, reverse it, Terry. You know, like yeah. I'd be watching some funny videos, and then all of a sudden something comes on, man. It'll just I compare myself, and all of a sudden it's that quick. Yep. All that anxiousness just floods in. Yep. All of a sudden changes your mood. And so I think that when you. One of the things I would encourage people with is like, um, let it be a signal. And then I would say, um, I think it's really important to name name your emotions. So like if you're feeling anxious, say you're feeling anxious. Yeah. If you're feeling sad, say you're feeling sad. You can't change it until you name it. Right? Yeah. So it's like, hey, let's yeah. let's just get honest and go, okay, this is how I'm feeling. But understand you know, your emotions in that moment, they're valid, but that didn't make them permanent. Yeah, that's really know? true. And yeah. so 
I think for me, that would be something I would just say is like, begin with maybe going, here's how I'm feeling. And then I would go, man, what, what triggered it? Trying to identify what, what are the triggers? It could be social media. It could be your ex-boyfriend popping up on your screen. You know what I mean? Lock him, Yeah. <laughs> it could be, it could be all kinds of different stuff that are triggering to you because it it's triggering something from your past yep. or trauma or whatever it may be. And so I think if you, if you can do the work of, of, and this is where I think counseling comes in. I think this is where having a pastor comes in. I think this is where having some godly people in your life to speak into you. And I would tell people this, man, asking for help isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. Yeah. Right? There's a way that seems right to a person and then it leads to death. Yeah. Wise people seek counsel. So I would say like, if you can't identify maybe some of the triggers, then have somebody come along with you that help you that can't, right? So important. And so naming it, identifying some of those triggers. And then I think you, you got to, I think the other part of that is there's a lie that's usually attached, right? To how you're feeling. Uh, I'm worthless. Yeah. No one cares about me. I'm in this all alone. I'll never get out of this. This will never change. You start talking about that enough, you'll start believing it. Yep. That's and it's point. a lie. And so I think then it's going, what lie am I believing from this emotion? Mm -hmm. And so once I identify the lie, then I can replace it with truth. Yeah. So then it's like, I'm going to go to God's word and actually see, man, this is what God says about me. I, I am loved. I am chosen. I am a child of God. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm the head, not the tail. God does have a plan for me. I do have a hope. I do have a future. And you start proclaiming what God says about you over the what, what the lie you're believing is, you'll stop believing lies and start believing truth and you'll yeah. get drowned out quickly. Well, and that's a... The thing that I know I like to do is like when I start feeling those things, because like fear, worry, anxiety, all this stuff is not from God. Right. So right. this is literally the enemy using yep. whatever plan of attack that he yep. knows works. Right. He knows that you're going to start feeling some type of way. He knows that you're going to start feeling depressed or sad. And I will like speak out loud like that's not true. Right. This is not what who God says I am. I don't have to feel this way. And even just you're sitting in a room by yourself. Saying it out loud is such a proclamation and such a thing. Like, you know, it'll silence the enemy real quick. Yep. And you can really start kind of, you can really like have control of where your mind goes next. Right. Yeah. I mean, even that passage I referenced in Philippians chapter four, um, he talks about by every, in everything by prayer and petition. And then he says, and the peace of God, right, which transcends all understanding can guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So yeah. what that means is if, if our, if our brains are literally Neuropathways have been formed every single day in the same way you have a negative thought and it's creating a path. A positive thought can create a path. And so what I would say is that prayer and praise, petition, prayer and praise um, are the pathway to peace. Yeah. What you really want is peace. Now, again, I'm not trying to minimize and say it's only prayer and praise. Mm -hmm. It's also God's people. It's also therapy. It, it can be all kinds of things like that. But I do think that um, that those things are so important for everybody, no matter where you are in your walk, no matter where you're at, when it comes to God and faith, like there's something God has yeah. that only God can give. And the peace you're looking for, man, you may experience a, a, a temporary fix from a pill, yeah. from a friend, from a good a good drink at night with a buddy, whatever it may be. But the peace you're really after, it's, it's only going to come from God. Yeah. Period. 100%. So, yeah. Well, we, I know we've been focusing a lot on anxiety. Yeah. Let's go deeper. Okay. Depression. Yeah. This is such a heavy topic in America now where I feel like even just this younger generation is feeling depressed. Yep. 
this is just like a word I feel like that has kind of like overtaken society over the last couple of years, especially since COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said heavy weights, the right word there. Yeah. Right. That's the, even the idea of depression is it's a weight. It's a pressing on your chest where you feel trapped, scared, uh, fearful. It can lead to some really dark thoughts, even, even suicide. And yeah. you're seeing that become more and more prevalent. I think, again, we got to be careful to, um, self-diagnose ourselves. I think that's just important. And, and I'm going there for a reason in this, uh, because I, I do, I've dealt with it. Uh, and sometimes I think we can undermine it. And then sometimes we think we can overemphasize it. Like when I was growing up, man, we, we didn't talk about, we didn't it, talk about it, which is probably why it's such a big deal now, because we didn't really deal with our emotions. Uh, mental health. I don't even know if that was a term growing up, right? Like, you know, yeah, mental health was that, that, what are you talking about? Like, so if you felt some type of way, it was just kind of like, okay, yeah, you're sad today. Get over it. Move on. Yep. And you could have literally been battling depression, but no one really knew this was like a real issue thing. And there was all of, there was so much more to it than just an emotion. Right. right. So for me, I remember this moment years ago where uh, it there wasn't anything and depression so difficult to, to talk about because it doesn't discriminate. No. And it's not always caused by something traumatic. Obviously, it can be. A lot of times, it, it is attached to something. Um, and it can come and you can be having a great day or a great week, and all of a sudden, there's a thought that comes from somewhere. Yeah. I would say it's from the enemy. Sometimes it's just, it could be something you saw that just triggers something, and all of a sudden, you feel hopeless and you feel like, man, you, you really just feel this like weight on you, like no one loves you. So, a couple of years ago, um, I I don't think there was anything that happened. I've tried to really go back and work through a lot of this in my own in my own journey. But me and Jessica had been married for maybe a year. I was a youth pastor. Things were going good. Ministry was growing. Kids were coming to Christ. Um, Jessica was working. Like we were newly married. Didn't have kids. We could do whatever we wanted. Living the dream. Living yeah. the dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was a lot of like. Early on in our marriage, there was a lot of family pain, I think, and, and I've always kind of struggled with, uh, with with things within my family just because it was so broken. I love them, but there's just there's so many things as a kid I was told, learned, thought, perceived, that as an adult you understand later was reality, right? right? Both good and bad. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's some of that involved in it. Uh, I think that I was learning a little bit about myself in my whole life. I was a performer as an athlete. And when you start transferring that over into adult life and needing the affirmation of people or awards, and then you mix it in with faith and being a pastor, it gets real kind of weird. Yeah, you know what I mean? Totally. It's almost like you take credit for things that God does to feel good about yourself and measure success. It's a weird world. Yeah, now. totally. And so I just remember uh, Jessica and I had been struggling financially. We were in a ton of debt. I mean over $100,000 of debt when you can consider student loans, credit cards, school, like uh, additional schooling, all of that stuff, just starting out in life, you know? Yeah. And I remember feeling trapped. I remember feeling um, like we would never get out of it. And um, I think there was some some things that happened where I just didn't really feel supported and cared for by people I thought would. Yeah. And I remember kind of coming to this place where I felt like my wife really didn't love me like really loved me like I knew she loved me but I had like this super big fear of abandonment yeah um and people that care about me walk out 
when I disappoint them. So I always felt like I had to achieve. And if I failed at anything, in that case, finances or whatever it may have been, I felt a lot of shame and was just like, what's what's even the point? And it was so many lies. My wife, it's not Jessica's fault. There's nothing she did that made me go there. Again, this wasn't really one pointed instance I could point back to like, that was the trigger. Um, But one night I got, I, I kind of was like, you know what, I'm just disengaged from the world. And I just started drinking straight vodka. Wow. Down to almost a fifth of it. Probably a whole, almost a whole fifth. I was pretty trashed. And um, and Jessica and I started arguing because I started popping off at the yeah. like we do when we drink too much or whatever. And um, it was really a manipulative thing I did, but I went and grabbed my gun and was like, I don't even feel like I you care if I'm here. Why don't I just why don't I just shoot myself now? Yeah, it's super manipulative. I, I I don't think I was at the point where I knew I was gonna do it. It was more to kind of get her attention because I felt like I didn't have it. Yeah. And that she was going to leave me. Right. And so in a really twisted and dark way, I kind of threatened that moment. Um, And the truth is, I say I don't know. I didn't have plans to. uh, But if if she would have handled that differently, I could have. Yeah. Because she could have been like, do it. You know, and that can lead somebody to a dark place. Thank God she didn't. She called my best friend. He got on the phone and them together basically talked me off the ledge per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it wasn't for my wife and, and my best friend, you know, I don't know where I would have been. Yeah. You know? And so at the time, if you would have been like, do you battle depression? No. What are you talking about? Right. Uh, has that kind of thing happened since then? No, not really. I've had moments that are really dark and I'm like, oh man. I'm 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 failing at this. I should just hang it up and and go work in the in the real world type thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I felt alone in a lot of moments, especially during COVID. Yep, uh, absolutely. Um, so I think in all of that, uh, I realized a couple things, you know, about myself and about just mental health in general, because I think I, you know, there's a persona that comes with it yeah. that people carry, you know, and like, oh, something's really wrong with them. Oh, they need my help. And so, you know, I, I think what I've realized is that like, man, you can be doing really well a, and be a really sharp leader and have it all together. And you're not above the enemy attacking you. Right. And it is really just losing a battle in a moment. Yep. Yep. You know? Yep. And I'll say this too, like, and I want to speak to anybody who's hearing this right now and feels unseen, unloved, uncared for, yeah. um, who, who feels like, you know, the, their family would be better without them. Life would be better if they weren't in it. And they're considering taking their own life or um, doing something drastic. Um, what I would tell you, one, that that's a lie from the pit of hell. Yep. It's not true. Your family wouldn't be better without you. Um, and I think that's what the enemy wants. And so here's what I would encourage you. Never make a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion. Yeah, that's good. And don't draw permanent conclusions based on a temporary circumstance. Yeah. Because I think that's what we try to do in those moments, right? It's like you're grasping for anything that feels permanent when everything else is slipping away. Yeah. And that's where you have to go, man. That's where you need, um, that's where you need people in your life. And that's why I think community is so important. I think being a part of a church that's going to speak truth into you is important. I think that's where prayer comes in. I think that's where the gospel comes in. I think that's where knowing what God says about you comes in and plays such a vital role. I think that's where 
therapy can come in. I think that's where medication can come in. All of those things, and a lot of times it takes all of them. And the truth is, is I wish there was a do this and it's and it's over. Yeah, it's just not the world we live in. No. And oftentimes it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, you know, it's going to take some time. Um, but I do think that the process and taking forward steps towards healing, you're never just going to be like, oh, I'm healthy, I'm healed. It's yeah. more of like, no, 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 I'm getting healthier. I'm taking okay. a step forward every single day. And and I think it, the practical side of that is understanding that you you have a responsibility to do what you can do. And so people ask me like, well, how did you get out of that moment? Mm-hmm. How did you not go back there? I tell you, did I pray? Yes. So what I did, uh, I started working out consistently. Yeah. I started eating healthy. You would be so surprised on how many mental health issues are connected to your physical health. But Yep, that's so true. And spiritual health. I mean, and so it, sometimes, I'm not saying that's the answer. Right. But for me, it's like, okay, what can I do that I know is healthy in every area of my life? I got to have some friends that I bring in close to me that, that can be with me in this. So I can get some, I, I'm going to go search out some relationships. I can take care of my body. Um, I can make sure that I have healthy rhythms. Yeah. I can make sure I set aside a time to pray, a time to spend in the Word. So I'm going to do what I can do, and then I'm going to ask for help in the things I don't when I don't know what to do, and then I'm going to trust God to do what I can't do. Yeah. That makes sense. So 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to ask for help when I have questions, and then I'm going to ask God to do what I, I can't do for yeah. myself. And so I think that's trying to figure out in your patterns of like, man, what does that look like for me? Um, and what steps maybe do you need to take? And uh, man, I would say, let the first step be in your relationship with God, because everything I just spoke, I can then turn around and show you, but this is who God actually says you are. Yeah. And there's a piece that you can't understand. It reminds me, I know I'm talking a lot. No, you're fine. Um, <laughs> it, it reminds me of, um, of Jeremiah, the prophet in scripture. There's a whole book on the Bible called Lamentations, where he's literally depressed. Mm-hmm. People don't know that. If you don't, if you don't read the Old Testament, you're like, what is that about? Yeah. That's sad. It's dark. It's a dark book. Um, and there's other there's other examples in Scripture. But I go to him, and there's this, there's this moment in Lamentations chapter 3 where he's literally describing how he's feeling. And if you were to look up the definition of depression and what Jeremiah is saying— they go hand in hand. Yeah. He talks about feeling hopeless. He talks about feeling there's no future for him. He feels walled in. He feels trapped. He feels weighed down. Um, and he's basically going, what's the point of living? Yeah. And then he, he says, I continually remember them day and night. He talks about his experience, his trauma, his past, the pain. And and he says, and I have, I think, I think it's Lamentations 320, and I have become depressed. And I think there's something key there I want to speak to is he talks about, I continually remember them and have become depressed. And it's that idea of what we would call processing, self-talk, the biblical, yeah, the biblical words ruminating, right? The idea of, because what we talked about earlier about how our brain works, the idea, I think here's a, here's a danger, okay, in, in trying to figure out why. Sometimes you don't know. And sometimes even, this is, follow me for this for a second. Sometimes even going to therapy, though I would absolutely encourage it and be helpful, sometimes what it can 
calls us to do, and I'm and I, I'm speaking from experience here because I've been to therapy multiple times. Yeah, is it can cause you to want to understand and try to figure out every emotion and where it came from, mm-hmm. and you can unintentionally find yourself constantly trying to figure out why am I feeling this way? Where'd that come from? Whatever, whatever. And all of a sudden, it's like you have this expectation in your mind that I should always feel happy on cloud yeah. nine. And anytime I feel anything, it's something real serious and deep and dark or whatever. What are you doing? You find yourself thinking about it all the time and you're you're literally creating more anxiety by doing it. Yeah. And it becomes a cycle of anxiousness, a cycle yep. of depression. And so I think it's important to not ruminate. It's this idea of, um, a cow, how do they eat? They chip grass and they swallow it and then they, they regurgitate it back yeah. up. It's cud, right? And then they chew it some more and they swallow it and they'll do this multiple times. And what happens every time it comes back up, it gets a little grosser. Yep. Same is true in your thought life. Man, like process it, take it, try to identify it. But then you got to go, God, I don't understand it. I'm going to swallow this. I'm going to believe what you say. And I'm not going to keep bringing it up. Because every time you bring it up, it's going to get a little dirtier, yeah, that's a little true. nastier, a little harder to digest, a little harder to understand. And it can lead you into this downward spiral quickly. And so what he does next in that passage, he says, here's how I felt. I've become depressed, yet this I call to mind. And what does he do? He replaces how he felt, the lies. He identifies them with truth. And he says, um, because of the Lord's faithful love, he never fails. His mercies are new every single morning. Yep. Great is his faithfulness. So he automatically right then goes, man, I'm going to call this to mind. Yep, those emotions are real, but they're not permanent. I feel hopeless. But in God, I still have hope. Yeah. And so God's not finished with me yet. And my life is worth living. Um, And I think that's so crucial. And by the way, that's the same guy who said, I know the plans God has for me, the plans to prosper in my heart and me, to give me a hope in a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. Same guy that said that said, I'm depressed and don't know if I want to live. Go read Isaiah, same thing. Like running from, running from a woman, get under a tree. Like God, I want to die, take my life. Yep. You know, and so all that to say, we got to remove the stigma Mm -hmm. that man, you're not a Christian. You're not love. Something's wrong with you, you know. uh, And it can look different for everybody too. You know, it might not be as. We got to remove that stigma. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it might not be as heavy as, you know, grabbing a gun. Yep. But I dealt with postpartum depression yeah. after I had my daughter. Yep. And that is something that I mean, I'm Jessica did too. Always the happy person. You know, you light you walk in a room, you light it up, you're talking to everybody to the hermit that was like, I just rather stay home. Yeah. Not sure what's wrong. And that's yep. the thing is like you don't necessarily have to know what's wrong. You're right. just feeling some type of way. Yep. Started talking to someone. Yep. got medicine to help with the balance of everything you know and it's just like that specifically for women i know is one of those things that isn't talked about a lot right. postpartum depression is a huge real thing where i never thought i would deal with that i'm like oh my sister dealt with it and i was like oh you're fine you know you know there's like this weird stigma yep. and then you go through it yourself and you're like wait a second yep. something's not right yep. and identifying that thought and being like okay how can i seek yep. some sort of help with right. this yeah it's important and 
you know, it might not be on this side of the spectrum. It might not be on this side of the spectrum. Right. It could be somewhere completely different. Yep. But depression is depression. Yep. And it's okay. Yep. You know, like you said, removing that stigma of like, yep. something's wrong with you, you, you and, know? And I think if you don't deal with it and you're listening to this, you, you probably know someone who does. Yep. They don't 100%. just wear a sign around their neck being like, I deal with this, right? Like, yeah. And I think there's a huge role that you can play in being gracious and being present and being there, learning to sit with people and not have to give them an answer all the time. Yeah. Stop trying to fix people. Because here's the deal. Just because you deal with depression doesn't mean you need to be fixed. Yeah. Right? So treating somebody as if they're broken because they deal with something like this is probably one of the worst things you can do. Yep. You just need to learn how to sit with people sometimes and 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 be a friend, not just on the mountaintop, but know how to be there in the valley to make sure that they understand that they may they may be in the valley, but scripture says, I walk through the valley. I don't die there. Yep. I don't lie there. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow death. So when they can't walk for themselves, you pick up, you pick them up and carry them. Yep. You lift their arms up when they need somebody to lift their arms up. And so we all need people like that in our life. I think it's important. Um, and I'm so grateful for the people in my own life um, that have been that for me, even now as a pastor of like, it, I'm I'm not above thinking that at any moment I could have thoughts that would cause me not to not to go where I, I was considering years and years ago, but I, I do know that it can cause me to, to act different, to isolate. I think that's what the natural inclination. Isolation. Right? Yeah. Like we more pull away. Well, that's, you're putting yourself in a position, and again, I'm not blaming you, but putting yourself in a position where that's exactly where the enemy wants you. It's yeah. so much easier to pick you off when you're alone than when you got a crew of people that are surrounding you being like, hey, I'm protecting them. You're vulnerable right yeah. now. I got your back. I got your side. I got your front. I'm right there with you, you know, so that's important. I think isolation is kind of like you talked about with anxiety. It's that signal. Yeah. You know, yeah. that isolation is that signal of, all right, who can I call? Yeah. Who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to, to be around? Yep. As a pastor dealing with this so much within your congregation and people coming into church every yep. day yep. or every Sunday, you yep. know, dealing with stuff like this, what's a way that you prioritize and support, you know, mental health when it comes to yeah. this like little intersection of like, you know, spirituality, yeah. your faith and well, mental health? I know we don't have a whole lot of time left. Oh, boom. There was an alarm. Let me answer that and we'll be done. Okay. It's all good. Perfect. Part it. I got I to go. My wife's got a doctor's appointment too. So um, so here's what I would say. Like for us, I think that number one, like we have uh, we have paid for people to go to counseling that's needed it. Yeah, that's good. Our staff, um, our staff, we have a budget in the organization I even belong to where we will cover counseling for an extended period of time, right? I think it's like anything else. I, I think you, you love people where they are and that's my job. It's like, I'm going to love you where you are. I'm going to help you take a step closer into getting you where God wants you to be. And so, man, I, I think that for us, I talk about it. One of the ways I think I, I, I do help people and serve people is that got to talk about it. Yeah. Totally. You know, it's like, man, it's important for us to to make sure that's how we remove the stigma and bring light to a dark and hopeless situation and let, let people know that they're not alone. So for me and my role, it's like, man, I think I, I preach about it pretty consistently as I would anything else because yep. it's something very real. And then we leave space for our volunteers, we leave space for our staff, we leave space for anybody who needs it. And we set aside a budget uh, with what people give here to go. And if you need help with this, we can't maybe carry it forever, but let us help you get started. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I love that. Thanks, Pastor Cody, for being vulnerable today. Absolutely.